Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today.
is nothing you cannot handle. There is nothing that surprises you. So as we come into your presence this morning, let us proclaim with our voice that you are the way maker. You will make a way through it all. Let us lean on the hope that is in you. Let us lean on the God who created the universe and who created us with a song in our heart. Lift up the truth found in these words. Come on, come on. As we are gathering this morning in homes and in areas where we are just being together away from each other, we welcome you to South Valley online this morning. And we pray that as you come into the presence of the Lord this morning, that you just invite him into your homes. You stand in your presence of the Lord and just proclaim his glory and give him praise. Join with us and sing with us, interact and just have a time of church in your home. Let everyone in your neighborhood know that something glorious is going on. We're going to share a new song with you this morning that, again, reminds us of the victory that is found in God. We know that there are a lot of things going on in the world around us that are out of control. But as we just spoke and we just sang, God is a way maker. 
Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, we know God is at work. And it tells us in the book of John, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that is the truth that is found in God's word. That is the truth and hope that is found in God. So as we introduce this song, if you know it, if you've heard it, sing along with us. And if this is the first time, let it just wash over you. Let it just come into the presence of your home and speak to your heart. You 
My eyes are on 
Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we invite you into where we are. You see each and every one of us. I pray this morning as we come into your presence, we would sense your peace, Lord. That our spirit would feel it is well. Because you hold us in the palm of your hand, Lord. And you know all things. You know what's going to happen. You know how things are going to play out. Everything is in your hands, Lord. So again, let us rejoice in the truth of our hope that is found in you. Of a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to claim victory over death, Lord. To claim victory over sin and reclaim us as your sons and daughters, Lord. So this morning... I pray that every heart is reminded of that. I pray for hearts that may not understand that truth of the love you have for them, that you would speak to their hearts this morning and they would want to know what it means to have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And as we turn to your word this morning, Lord, let us take a moment to take you in, hear what you have to say and receive you, Lord, and give you praise for the great God that you are. We thank you for this time. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to worship you and look forward to how you're going to move throughout this day and throughout this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, South Valley family. I truly hope that it is well with your soul. I hope things are settling with you and we know things are changing. We know things are different almost from day to day around our world. But the Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is a great learning experience. I'm trying to look at it as, Lord, how can we continue to serve you even though things are different? And one of the great takeaways, now I don't know about you, can only can speak for myself, but one of the great takeaways, someday when we get to come back on campus, I'm going to bring my recliner. I think that's a pretty cool way to worship. Today, we want to just take a moment and remind you of how you can get connected. There are various ways that we want you as our South Valley family to stay connected. Obviously, we have Instagram, Facebook, and we've just started a YouTube channel. Whatever platform you're searching for, make sure you just put in South Valley uh, in the, the search field, and you'll, you'll find it. Uh, each week, uh, Marcus puts together a, an outline of the coming activities for the week, or the, the things that we're doing online, I should say. So make sure you look for that, and it'll give you a breakdown of what's happening uh, each and every uh, day. Things that you can, you can turn into and, and maybe grab and post on your Facebook account, just trying to get the word out. We're so glad that you're a part of this and that you're praying for this. There are so many ways that we can get connected. Uh, so just make sure you go out to those sites and uh, find out when things are being broadcast and those kinds of things. We also want to say to you, uh, in terms of your giving, uh, that's a little different these days, and so we want you to know that you can mail it in. You can look, look up here on the screen. You can see various ways that uh, you can give, and we trust that you're being faithful to the Lord even in that area of your walk with the Lord. May the Lord bless you as you worship him in your home. God bless.
Hey, good morning, SVCC here in Lemoore and friends watching elsewhere in California, uh, across other states in America, uh, some in Kenya, some friends and family in Scotland and anywhere else where you're watching from. Uh, welcome to our third uh, online Sunday morning service. And we are so grateful for your faithful online engagement and we're committed to continue bringing you worship and teaching that helps you connect with Jesus and encounter His presence and rethink something of life and of faith. Um, these are challenging and difficult times, and we have some unwelcome news to bring you. Uh, take a look at this. <laughs> well, that for sure is humor and is not true, okay? Easter at SVCC is not canceled and can't be stopped. But the unwelcome news is that based on the president's 30 days to slow the spread and the public health officials here in California and in Kings County, we're not able to meet together to celebrate Easter as we would usually do in South Valley. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to be online. And this is not what any of us want. Uh, us pastors are desperate to have everyone back and joining together as soon as possible, but we're in this together, and we will see this through until we're safe to gather again together. And so, for the first time, for the first time in our history, and I hope the last time in our history, South Valley Community Church will do Easter only online. And we'll, you'll meet together in your homes with your family, and together you'll celebrate the risen Christ. So, make that a priority next Sunday. And ha, I might even wear a tie, just in case my dad watches, okay? But when guidelines are relaxed and we are permitted to gather together as the church, and the church, the word is ecclesia, which means to assemble, a gathering, be together. Well, when we're allowed to do that, SVCC will have a huge resurrection celebration, a resurrection of our gatherings, a resurrection of us rising out of COVID-19, and, and we'll celebrate together a risen and glorified Savior, and we'll look forward to that day. But uh, don't forget, next Sunday, online, and online only. And during this week, actually, of Holy Week, uh, we will have daily devotionals. So, we've got John and Amy leading worship on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've got Pastor Frank, actually, it's going to be Pastor Seth this week on Thursday night. Uh, but during the week, there'll be daily devotionals that we'll have on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube that you can follow along as we take the journey through Holy Week towards Good Friday and then to Resurrection Sunday. So, uh, today, this is Palm Sunday. And I want you to come with me, and let's begin our walk to Resurrection Sunday, and walk with, it, walk with me carefully as uh, we go into this preach. You know, for the past few weeks, our world has been turned upside down. And just, just a few Sundays ago, I, I was finishing a normal Sunday morning series in this auditorium, 
and we'd launched Rooted, and 280 of you were involved in Rooted, and we'd opened up a new renewed store, and we were seeing record numbers of people coming in and purchasing and being helped. Life was normal. Life was even good normal. And then, boom, nothing is normal. And we don't even want to use the word normal, or we don't want to use the word a new normal. This is abnormal. And really, all I can do to get through every day is to try and stay as close to God as I possibly can. I have no idea how people are coping who do not have a relationship with God. I don't know how they're coping. My heart, my soul eagerly desires to stay close to God. Mm. Confession, I don't, I don't always do it very well. I tend to most days drift more than I should. Uh, life has the habit of pulling us away. Maybe it's often pulling it to rely on our own strengths, or, or, or I watch too much news and my mind goes the wrong places, or I watch too many reruns of The Office. Uh, but these past few weeks, I am desperately, strongly trying to stay close to Him every single moment. And maybe you're trying to do the same. Uh, these times need us to stay close to God. Uh, we were skiing one time in Utah. So, we were driving from Chicago to set up home here in California, and we stopped for a few days to ski the big mountains. And I remember the first time I took one of my boys off-piste, and that's when you ski where there's no trails, it's virgin snow, and you make your own route down the mountain, and you assume the risks of going off-piste. You, you might come across avalanches, there could be hidden crevices, there could be bears, there could be deep, unskiable snow. You might even come across the abominable snowman. I don't know, you know, and of course, being in Utah, you might come across some zealous Mormon missionary, okay? But my instructions to my son went something like this here. Your mother will never forgive me if you don't come back. So, here's the only rule, son. Stay close to me and do what I tell you. Now, <laughs> my boys are far better skiers and boarders now than I am, and I would struggle to keep up with them and stay close to them, but that was my instructions. And now, there is a book in the Bible where God gives His people some rules on how to stay close to Him. And it's a rather strange book, and maybe you've never read it, but it's the third book of the Old Testament, the book called Leviticus. So, at home, on your phone or with your paper Bible, if you have it, open it up to Leviticus chapter 1. And I doubt you've memorized this chapter, okay? Uh, of course, if you were a good Jew, even a Jewish child of, of, of 10 years old would have memorized not just Leviticus, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you know? Oops, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Got that one wrong, okay? 
Uh, uh, if you look at it, Leviticus chapter 1, the book of Exodus, the second book of the Scriptures, has just ended. And this God who had rescued them and freed the people from oppression and bondage wasn't going to leave them to wander the wilderness alone for 40 years. He would actually come and He would dwell with them, be among them. What a God! And Exodus ends, chapter 40, with Moses being instructed by God from heaven to build a tabernacle, a tent of meeting. And the purpose of building it was that God would dwell with the people. The glory of God was right there in the midst of the people as they lived their lives. No longer was God up there. God was now down here amongst them. And now Leviticus begins. Not about how God would come down, but how we could come to Him. Like, imagine you were an Israelite, and you and your family were journeying with all the other Israelites through a hard wilderness, struggling to survive, making your way to a new home and a new land and a new beginning. At the heart of everything that you were about was your belief in this God. It was this God of yours who had delivered you from Egypt. It was God who had helped you cross the Red Sea, and, and your enemies were chasing, but they were destroyed by God. It was your God who gave you miraculous food to eat every morning. It was your God who provided water from rocks and turned bitter lakes into fresh water lakes. This God who you had seen His power and you'd seen His might as well as His grace and His mercy, this God was going to make this journey with you. He was going to dwell right among you. Now, if you were an Israelite, as you journeyed, wouldn't you want to stay as near and as close to that God as possible? Anybody watching? And you're on a journey that began because God touched your life and turned you around and gave you a new vision and a new purpose and a new direction. Anyone watching and you're on that kind of journey? Or anyone watching and you need a new vision for your life? You need a new purpose. You need a new kind of journey, a new hope. Anyone here struggling with fears and loss and you want to learn how to stick close to that God who began it all. Well, the book of Leviticus teaches us about this, and it begins firstly at a place known as the altar. So, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord called, the Lord called, this is where the book gets its name, Vekra, Vekra. It's the very first word of the book. The title Leviticus comes from the Latin version of the Bible known as the Vulgate, which got its title from the Greek Old Testament known as the, the Septuagint. And in Jewish tradition, it is usual to call the book by its very first word, and the first word is Vekra and He called, the Lord called. 
This book is a direct revelation. God is speaking. God is calling to Moses. This is important. Now, notice verse 2. God called to Moses, and he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any of you bring an offering, God assumes that because he has just delivered and saved them, revealed to them his majesty and his power, shown his glory among them, and chosen to reside right there with them in the wilderness, it's not a question of if you bring an offering. It's when you bring an offering. Interestingly, the whole book of Leviticus has relatively few imperatives, few commands. God is not commanding them to stay close to Him. God is assuming that a grateful people will, of course, want to stay close to Him. So, God says, if you want to stay close to me, bring me an offering. The Hebrew word is korban, which means to bring near. Listen up, says God to Moses. Tell the people, my people, how they may live in nearness to me. Don't you want that? If I could leave if, if I could live near to God, my life would be different, don't you think? Like, if I could live near God, how I handle bad things that hit me, curveballs that come my way, big offensive line tackles that hurt me, like this virus, I think if I was living near to God, how I handled that would be different. If I could live near to God, how I make decisions, big or small, would be different. If I could live near to God, how I see things around me would be different. Well, here's how to live near to God. This is very good news for us sinners. This is very good news for those of us who really, we should be punished by God, sinners who, like my heart, tends away from God. Here is good news for us to learn. And so, the Scripture says, Leviticus chapter 1 verse 2, bring an offering. In fact, the first seven chapters of Leviticus are preoccupied with the offerings the Israelites were to bring. There's the burnt offering, there's the grain offering, there's the fellowship offering, sometimes known as the peace offering, there's the sin offering, there's the guilt offering. There's four other types later on in the book as well. Bring an offering. Here's the path you need to go down if you want to come near to God. The fact that there is a path tells us that we don't naturally live near God. In other words, stuff, things get in the way, and you will not ordinarily or casually or by accident or just by living your life, no matter if you try to live it the best you can, we don't naturally live near God. God speaks. God reveals Himself to us. God calls vikra. 
if you want to come near me, here is something you have to do. Now, notice, for this first offering, verse 3, it's called the burnt offering. It's a voluntary offering. You could bring, if you look at it, you could bring something to offer, something from the herd or from the flock, like a bull. Well, if you brought a bull, you'd need, you'd need, need a pickup truck, okay? Or you could bring a sheep or a goat. Hey, yeah, you could probably get that in your minivan or your Tahoe. Or you could bring a dove or a pigeon. Well, you can just throw that in your backpack. Lesson number one, God made provision. No matter your income status, for you to be able to make an offering. If you were wealthy, bring a bull. If you're not so wealthy and you can only afford like a sheep or a goat, that's okay. Bring the sheep or the goat. And if you can't afford a bull or a sheep or a goat, then you can bring a bird. When Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph came to bring an offering as required by the law. And Luke's Gospel chapter 2 tells us that they brought a pair of doves, or a young two pigeons. Which means in the economic spectrum, was Jesus rich? No. Was He middle of the road? No. Jesus was poor. All His mother and father could bring was a bird. But lesson number one, the point of the options is that God made provision no matter who you are. No one is, re is restricted from being near to God. No one. Lesson number two. The burnt offering was the most frequently offered sacrifice. In fact, if you were to go to Leviticus chapter 6, the instructions that God gave to Aaron and the priests, make sure that the fire is burning and the fire for the burnt offering is ready both at the start of the day and at the end of the day. In fact, the fire was never to go out. So, lesson number two, the invitation to come near to God is not just to come at special times or special holy days, but every day, all the time. This is amazing grace. Don't ever say, that the Old Testament was about law and not grace. This is grace. Lesson number three. Notice verse three. If you did bring something from the herd or the flock, it wasn't just to be any old bull or any old sheep, a lame one, a diseased one. It wasn't like finding a dead sheep, like a roadkill sheep that's lying around and you offer it. It had to be a male without defect. Now, remember, back in those days, you didn't just go to the local market and purchase a male bull or a male sheep. These were people who lived off the land and depended upon the few cattle that they had for meat or for milk or for income. The male without defect was your best sheep or your best bull, most valuable member of the herd or the flock. Our dear friends, and Todd and Tracy, and they have a fruit-growing company, and, you know, they call the company First Fruit. And it's this idea that they're bringing their best for God. And they do that, and, you know, the incredible people who help the poor in a 
powerful way. God goes on record, and God says, what you offer to me, your worship, your living near me, isn't a cheap experience. Lesson number three, to live near God will cost you. Here's why. Worship that is cheap, Christian living that is costless, leads to you having a cheap God. The cost of your worship will equate with how much you value your God. If worship is just a duty or a casual thing or an occasional thing, then all you have is an occasional God. Your God will be as big and as powerful and as glorious and as magnificent as your worship lets Him be. Lesson number four. Now watch how this offering would take place. So, say you brought a lamb, and you'd walk up to the entrance, and the priest would examine it to make sure that it was acceptable. And then you would place your hand on the lamb's head. The, the Hebrew word is samak, which means lean heavily upon it. Ah, quick aside here. Anyone here listening to me leaning on the Lamb of God? Ding, 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 ding. Can you hear the bell ringing? Are you getting it? Then, then you would slit its throat and kill it. The animal that you brought would die at your hands so that vividly and with no uncertainty, you would know that the animal was dying as a substitute for you. Verse 4, it talks about make atonement for the offerer, restore harmony with God. To atone, kafar, means to wipe clean. The animal's death, its sacrifice, wiped clean what was interfering with you living near God. And then the priest will take the blood of the animal, and, and you would let the animal go now, and the priest would do his thing. And then after he's done his thing, he would bring the animal back to you, verse 6, and you would cut it into pieces, and then the entire animal, except the skin, would be washed at the laver. Nothing unclean or dirty could be placed on the altar and offered to God. And then placed on the altar it would be, and it would be burnt up completely. So here's the thrust of the burnt offering. Everything was consumed on it, burnt up. Nothing was left. Everything was given to God. So, lesson number four. Why was it done this way? Lesson number four, because God wants a people who are wholly devoted to Him. God gets everything of our lives. Nothing is kept back. This is the key to living near Him, close to Him. This is the heart of holiness. God wants us to have fully devoted hearts for Him, His things, His mission, 
His glory. The things that bother Him should bother us. The things that He would do, we should do. And daily, the burnt offering was a way for the Israelites to say to God, I'll live fully devoted to you. I'll live close to you. Hmm. Do you today live near God? Does God get everything? Or do you keep things back for yourself? You know, I know the spaces in my life where God's not really allowed access. But you cannot live close to God with areas of your life that are closed off to Him. Hmm. Nearly finished. The most important, so refocus with me for the last five minutes, okay? Bring it all to Palm Sunday and the start of Holy Week. Lesson number five. The priest would take the animal that you had killed and only he could handle the blood, signifying that this was the most holy element of the sacrifice. Listen to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Very important passage. The life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Blood is the seat of life. And when blood was shed, it meant a life had been laid down and offered to God. Listen to what the New Testament says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Lesson number five. Jesus gave himself as a burnt offering. The New Testament time and time again alludes to the death of Jesus as being the perfect burnt offering. See what the Bible is teaching. Listen to it this Palm Sunday as we picture Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the beginning of His walk to the cross and His death on Good Friday. The blood of Jesus Christ has been sprinkled on God's altar and it has wiped away your sin, wiped it clean, covered over it. No sin too big, no past too bad. All my sin, all your sin, all of it, every single sin of commission and every single sin of omission, things said, things unsaid, things done and things left undone. Christ's blood has paid the ransom. His sacrifice has satisfied God so that you and I can be accepted. He died on the altar as your substitute and my substitute. Oh, 
This is the good news. This is fabulous news. What was going on here in Leviticus was a shadow of something greater that was coming. And what was coming was the sacrifice of the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. And His sacrifice was to enable all people to accept His sacrifice in their place so that you and I could live near to God. That's amazing. That's the journey of Easter. That's the core of what our faith believes, that Christ died for us. But watch. One more incredible thing. Lesson number six. The burnt offering, while it was an offering demonstrating the offerer's total and complete devotion to God, there's something else going on. Lean in. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ, the perfect burnt offering, as He hung on the cross on Good Friday, and His blood was shed on the altar, dying on the cross, He's shouting loudly and powerfully that God is fully devoted to you. The New Testament teaches that God is the offerer, and Christ is the offering, and God with Christ are loudly saying, we are committed, fully committed to you doing life near us, with us. God is fully committed to you. Doesn't that change everything? Doesn't that, doesn't that make you want to be fully committed to Him? This Easter, this coronavirus Easter, stay close to our committed, our He's gone all the way, our He's fully sufficient Savior. Stay close to Him because He's made a way for that to happen by Him giving His own life, shedding His own blood on the altar for you. What a commitment God has made to you. This Easter, you make the commitment of staying close to Him. Let's pray. Father, we journey to Good Friday, a Friday that speaks of death and the cross and Christ giving His life as a substitute for us. May we see His commitment and may we be moved in our souls to be fully committed to Him.
come, we pray, in this holy week. And by your Spirit, powerfully speak into our lives. Reveal the areas that we're holding back from you. And help us surrender it all. And God, maybe there's one person watching or listening. And they've never, ever accepted Christ as their Savior. As the one who died in their place. And I pray by your Spirit that whoever that person is, they would be quieting their soul and surrendering their lives and placing their trust in the complete and thorough work of Christ as their sacrifice. Thank you that we have a Savior and we know the cost that He paid. And He paid it instead of us having to do so. What a gospel. What good news. What a Savior to stay close to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. See you next week for Easter Resurrection Sunday. God bless.